This episode is brought to you by Mr. Speedy. Get 50 pesos off when you place your first delivery with Mr. Speedy. When you use the code GeekyMrSpeedy. That's G-E-E-K-Y-M-R-S-P-E-E-D-Y. You can book a delivery via their website, mrspeedy.ph, or download the Mr. Speedy app from the Apple App Store, Google Play, and Huawei Mobile Gallery. Available for Metro Manila, nearby provinces, and Cebu. That's G-E-E-K-Y-M-R-S-P-E-E-D-Y to get 50 pesos off your first delivery on Mr. Speedy. Hi guys, so we're the Geeky Ones, and this is episode 63. So for episode 63... We have another OTP-related episode, so in celebration of Valentine's Day, but uh, with a with a different twist because for this episode we are gonna talk about wrestling OTPs. So you know, wrestling pairings. So it can be wrestling couples, res uh, you know, wrestling tag teams, you know, awesome tag team or wrestling best friends or you know, wrestling um. I don't know wrestlers and their items, or or for some cases title belts. So to join us in this episode, we have a guest. So this is um, our guest is Derv the Venetia of Wrestling After Work. So Derv, say hi. Hey guys, uh, good to be back on the Geeky Ones podcast. Um, happy Valentine's. Yes. And yeah. Enjoy this day, single man or hindi. Okay, so before we start, let's explain um, what are wrestling OTPs. So, I guess, Derv, what, how do you define a wrestling OTP? I mean, I gave a very simple description just a few minutes ago, but how would you describe it? Um, for me, it's more on if it's on-screen, off-screen uh, relationship between a wrestler and a fellow wrestler or... Uh, non-wrestling talent or something that's associated with them for example a specific belt or a specific item or a meme related to them i think if that sticks and people recognize that i think we can call it an otp okay so yeah just for context usually otps are used for like couples for shipping couples like you know rom-com drama but you know for our case it's just Almost any kind of pairing, na you know that, you know, like you couldn't, um, you couldn't imagine. It's hard to imagine that those two things or two people not being together, rather than, I don't know, together. But yeah, um, yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah, that's wrestling OTPs, and we have, um, we have eleven. So. Um, unfortunately, Steven couldn't be here, so we um we took some of his list. Like I asked yeah. him, like, could we get some of your OTPs for our for this episode? And he obliged. So some of um some of his OTPs are here. I think it's one of the one one pretty close to the end, and some at the middle. So yeah, um I guess we can start. Yeah, and yeah. let's go with our first pick. Um. We're gonna go for the more normal route here and yeah. go to Daniel Bryan and Brie Bella. Oops, it's a typo. So Brie Bella. Yeah, Brie Bella. Remember when it started out as a storyline because Daniel they, Daniel Bryan was sort of this geek, this loser, and the Bella twi- Bella twins were um, 
fighting over him. And then we found out that Brie Bella was indeed dating uh, Brian Danielson in real life. And then it's good to see a wrestling relationship uh, that uh, started on screen, then off screen, then they got married, and now they have two kids. Am I right? Yes, pretty much. Yeah. The next thing that's closest to this one was John Cena and Nikki Bella, but well, storyline-wise, no, but we all know how it ended with the WrestleMania proposal and the wedding that never happened. And also, yeah. It's but yeah, I think yeah, I think it's a it's a huge contrast to uh, the John Cena Nikki Bella pairing because that one, you know, you think that. You know the Bellas are marrying wrestlers since you know same industry. You know both are, you know they're marrying world champions for this case, and so. Yeah. But you, but yeah, unfortunately, it didn't pan out, and yeah, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't meant to be, unfortunately. But for Daniel Bryan and Brie Bella, it was pretty much a solid relationship because it, you know, they've had they they're now married with kids, and one of the kind of hard, kind of rare. For a certain wrestler wrestling couples to last longer in. Yeah. You know? And you know, for this case, they're pretty uh they're pretty steady, so pretty awesome. So yeah, yeah Daniel Bryan. And now, you know, Daniel Bryan's back wrestling after a while in a while in retirement, and Brie Bella every now and then shows up. Yeah. Shows up like the women's rumble or some few legend segments, but yeah. Uh, we start off with a romantic pair, <laughs> a yeah. romantic OT, wrestling OTT. So great way for yeah. this. And then after this one, I think we're going to start having fun. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I see my notes. I see the list. And yes, it's pretty insane. And to start off that insan- that trip of insanity, have one of Sandman the and his Singapore cane. Now... I could say Sandman and his beer can, Ren, but and his cigarette. Um, yeah, <laughs> but for me, like, um, for most most of the time, I always, uh, whenever I imagine Singapore cane, kendo stick, uh, you know, you you remember Sandman, you remember Tommy Dreamer, you remember ECW. Yeah, I definitely. mean, I know they're not the they they're they're most I know they're not the first ones to use Singapore canes. But I think they're the ones who were able to make it a bit mainstream in American wrestling. Yeah. So that was insane. So yeah, Sandman in the Singapore cane. Um, I think it's encapsulated even in video games where Sandman, no matter if it's a non, if it's a you know if it's a regular singles match or a, a hardcore match, he'll always come into the ramp with a Singapore cane and a beer, a can of beer. Yeah, I think that was. Smackdown vs. Raw 2007 or 2006? 2007, 2008, featuring ECW. <laughs> That's yeah, the yeah. specific one. Yeah, I can still remember with Sam. Yeah, that, that one had... I, I love that game because it had a lot of wrestlers who WWE missed the mark on. So, you know, I redeemed them through GM mode, which is kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. It's actually, yeah. It's a good idea episode, like, Wrestling video games. GM mode. <laughs> yeah, GM mode. But yeah, with Sandman, I think um we'll associate Singapore Canes, Kendo Sticks with Sandman, Tommy Dreamer, and not with Alexa Bliss and Bailey. I forgot 
It was not Alexa Bliss and Bailey with the Oh yeah, so- no, like, I think the, there was this um, storyline where, you know, Bailey was trying to be extreme, right? Was yeah. holding herself back on slapping Alexa Bliss on the back with a freaking Singapore cane. Yeah. But but that's funny because with what you call this with with that um with Simon and Tom Dreamer, it's like it gave it justice and they used it properly as you know it's a training I think it's a training sword for Kendo I don't know what they're called. Yes. Yeah right? and then for like if you know how to use it properly and they swing it widely it really does hurt, but I guess, um, yeah, good thing we had Sandman and Tommy Dreamer before Alexa and Bailey to destroy. Yeah. And until now, you know, the Singapore cane is a go-to wrestling weapon. Like, I think as much as the steel chair nowadays, yeah. like, I see more, I see the, the amount of candlesticks and steel chairs I see. The margin used to be like there's more steel chairs than candlesticks, but now it's pretty close. So you were you mo- I I think it's because you know it's it's easier to carry. I don't know. It's and it's really it's, it's it's a pretty it's a pretty good wrestling weapon, you know. Yeah. It all yeah. like here the sound, the signature snap on the yeah, back definitely. or on the head. It's it's always a devastating sight. Now we go to on uh, our next. Um, OTV, yeah, which is kind of weird because yeah. it's John Cena and so Derv. Um, yeah, I would like an yeah. explanation for this one. Yeah, because um, if you watch, speaking of, uh, this is related to the Daniel Bryan and Brie Bella pick that I listed down. Um, remember, if you watch the Total Bellas, the first season where John Cena and Nikki Bella were still living together, it was one of like. Nikki Bella's uh, pet peeves and also like they're trying to show how John Cena needs to be really organized. He organize, uh he wants uh everyone to be at uh this time in the kitchen for dinner. He wants everyone to be dressed well for dinner because um there's an explanation. I think Bella uh, Nikki said that John didn't grow up rich, so he wants to showcase. He wants to feel uh the how great. It feels like to like eat dinner in privilege, uh, and also like with John, I know with John Cena also with his OCD. I remember with the wine because he wants it at a certain temperature because you know wine can be destroyed if it's exposed to the wrong temperature. But overall, yeah, with John Cena and like he has this attention to, to detail that's borderline maniacal at times, and it's like the most. It got stuck to my head how John Cena is. I don't know if he's diagnosed with OCD, but his attention to detail. Uh, shout out to MTG attention to detail. Um, he, his attention to detail really was like, what the hell? I was like, dude, he's like everyone. He wants this to be like this. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think yeah, that's John Cena's like sense of order and you can see it in his matches as well like you know yeah. uh, i think people jibe upon him jibe, jibe on him for his five moves of doom but the fact that he always almost always executes it so cleanly you know the the double um shoulder tackle 
yeah. the proto bomb to the transition okay. is ingrained in our heads. And yeah, I think we could also say that you I think do you know the empanada meme of John Cena? Like when he was um uh, I think when they were shooting the Suicide Squad, like he had the scene where he's like a picture of him eating an empanada. Tapos it took him like um more than a dozen empanadas to get the take right, so he just kept on eating for that take. <laughs> so I think that's you know that's John Cena's attention to detail, like to uh to an extreme or you know yeah. demonstrated in in one instance. But yeah, I could also I think we could also argue that his that 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 OCD like um uh attention to detail of John Cena is really has helped him in the ring yeah. right? <laughs> if you if and you also, come to think of it you know because wrestling is all about like proper execution technique and you know muscle memory for the most part yeah and also i think this is the reason why i think his attention to detail of not wanting to have kids is what led to the downfall of his relationship with nikki bella as well i think so because he want he specifically called that right he didn't want kids because he did because he wants to be someone that kids can call their hero. He doesn't want... Because... Uh, sorry if this is segueing a bit. Because uh, I think what John sees is like... Uh, he doesn't want kids to see... Oh, John Cena is a kid. We can, I can't be... Uh, he can't be my hero anymore because he has a kid. And that kid will be... Uh, will be his hero. That kid's hero will be his dad, John Cena. So yeah, I think he's really into the details of stuff. And I'm just thankful John Cena isn't your psych a psycho girlfriend because I think he's the worst kind of psycho girlfriend if he happens to be one. <laughs> <laughs> and psycho boyfriend as well. We don't we don't what you call this? We don't they can be psychos on both spectrums as well. So. Yeah, like I think he's gonna be the very um hard to deal with, challenging to deal with kind of guy. But yeah. Off to that. <laughs> this is this yeah. is even more insane. The next uh, OTP is probably it's my pick, and I call I just called it RVD four twenty. Yeah. Know, um, Stuff we can. Here's say. the context. Um, RVD, you know, at the time was one of my favorite wrestlers when I was just starting to watch pro wrestling, and at during the time, RVD was just coming out of an injury. And just won the money in the bank in oh, the second ever money in the bank. And you know, he was money in the bank and IC champion, which I enjoyed. And then yeah. later on, he faced John Cena. You know, he faced John Cena in One Night Stand 2006 for the WWE Championship, a match that, you know, John Cena would, where, you know, where we saw John Cena had to grow up, actually, like, you know, had to yeah. step up. Match and it was the most hostile anti. It's the most anti Cena match of all time. But yeah, RV. But that was RVD's uh, somewhat crowning moment in the WWE because he not only won the WWE Championship with the help of Edge, um, but he was also ECW World Champion. Finally, yeah. But yeah, you know we are celebrating RVD double champ. I was so happy, and then you know you see like 21 days later, um. He got suspended, and you know, in the span of like a few weeks, those belts that he won and worked so hard for were now destroyed. You know, he went 
back to Ed I went to Edge and he lost it to Big Show, the easy title. Yeah. And I was wondering as a I was wondering why. And then I read, you know, they found a bunch of weed in his car. And oh shit. Like me as a kid, like, no way. This is not happening. <laughs> and uh, as someone who rooted for a wrestler to become a champion, you know, you take a while, diba. Right? And yeah. to see that journey yeah. end, end up in smoke, quite literally, was <laughs> <laughs> kind of sad. So I think, so Derv, what's your take on that uh, suspension? Before we go on to his other, you know, antics after. Um, well, we could have put on other wrestlers here like Valvinus, but RBD, I think, is the one that's most associated with the... April holiday of 420 because RVD, I think this is the case of it's an OTP, but your irresponsible use, I think his irresponsible use led to the downfall of his career as a main eventer because I think with um, RVD, he, he already got the main event spot and I think it is one of the fastest flash in the pants in the main event scene just because of um, his irresponsible hiding of the good stuff could have kept it under his uh, the mat of his car for we don't know, but yeah, with RVD, because like I like what how you said it, like when we were kids, with it, we were like we were sad because he lost the belt because we were rooting for him, and it was up in smoke figuratively and literally, and then when we grew up, we realized like. He's really a stoner, so it's like that's his gimmick as well. Because we didn't get it right, his gimmick when we were kids, we didn't get that he's a stoner. But then, yeah, I mean, I just thought of him as like a cool martial arts kind of guy, and you know, yeah. beyond that, you know, and then I like the, I just, I was just so, I was just a big fan of the Van Daminator and the Van Terminator, which is you know his yeah. weapon based moves. I use it as a finisher in in SmackDown versus Raw before. That's why I enjoyed it. Right? Um, and you know, after you know, after after being in the WWE, you know, he still had a nice main event run in TNA. You know, he was an he yeah. was a TNA World Champion. But then his next run in TNA, his most recent run in TNA, was basically RVD 420 in a nutshell. They yeah. I think Impact Wrestling just laid on the gimmick, just rode on that, uh, rode on that stoner train, so yeah. to speak, and you know just let RVD go and just be what he is. Um, I think his ang his very controversial angles with Kate Forbes was just really crazy. It was just nuts, like. Like what is happening, and I guess it's basically a 420 fueled haze of a run yeah, that RVD had, and yeah, so that's that's it's a wrestling OTP. It's as much as an OTP as Sandman in Singapore. By the way, that's I yeah. think our second ECW man. Yeah. yeah. Um. Okay, I'm gonna. Gonna move around the notes a bit, so you know, we're gonna go to the good stuff in a few. Oh, but you know, RVD, I guess, has the good stuff already. So yeah, that one no, he definitely has the good stuff, and he's 
probably doing it right now, so we don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, hmm, but with our video, Valentine's Day in a few hours. <laughs> yeah, I think with um, the, you actually said a good point. Like TNA just made him who uh, act out who he is, and uh, there's a saying that a gimmick that works is basically your personality turned up into ten. I think RVDs was turned <laughs> up into fifty within TNA. That's why it's like. Oh my God! You're nearing fifty. I think it's already fifty right now, and you're just—I mean, it's his last main event run. Let's be honest about it. And yeah, I think it was worth it, but it was a bit controversial, but still funny to see how RVD is gonna be as someone turned up to fifty. You know, I think if he would have had that gimmick back in ECW, um. I think it would have worked. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Because everyone right. it would have kind of worked, you know. You know, ECW being the edgy, edgy or alter wrestling alternative uh, during the nineties. Yeah, um, I think that's yeah. <laughs> the uh, Agatha Chenza said that's how you make stars. Yeah. <laughs> well. <laughs> I think if yeah. you put if you put the Meltzer stars for his uh, stoner gimmick over the years, his most recent run was basically the seven stars of um, yeah. of uh, of his gimmick. But yeah, our next pairing let's go to um from uh from highly insane to more normal um the iconics. Uh, yeah, this is my pick, and um this is this is a genuine wrestling pairing that I really enjoyed. I mean. The Iconics, you know, some people find them annoying, you know, because their gimmick is basically like a really, really, a really noisy group, best group of best friends, stable of best yeah. friends that annoying mean girls. annoy the hell out of their competition. And, you know, that's basically their gimmick. But yeah, <clears throat> what I liked is when I found out their story that, you know, they've been wrestling since they were 18. They've been like yeah. together since 18. And, you know, um, you rarely see that in wrestling. Uh, you rarely see that become long-term in wrestling. And at Definitely. some point, even culminate to a title. Um, you can argue that, like, the Hardys. The Hardy, you know, Matt and Jeff Hardy had um, was a brother, was a genuine sibling combo that worked in wrestling. And, you know, they won multiple tag team championships. But... That's few and far in between. Um, you can argue that the Haas brothers, you know, um, despite yeah. the short career of um, Charlie Haas's brother, Roos Haas, at least they won as uh, as siblings. But you know, winning as best friends is also really difficult. You know. Yeah. But yeah, the Iconics. I love the uh, I love the story more than their gimmick. Although their gimmick is pretty entertaining for me, I was never really annoyed. Like whenever they That's just it. whenever they just run the mic. On uh on the women's division in WWE, it was just it was just fun. I I had um really enjoyed um what their what their content was, and I was so mad that I was so sad that actually that they broke them up. Decided to break them up. You know WWE hates genuine tag teams. Yeah. <laughs> so another tag team pairing down the drain. But yeah, yeah, um, I was we at least we get to we got to see. Them. Win the women's tag team championship in WrestleMania, yeah. nonetheless, and 
if there was a you know wrestling best friends highlight moment or moment yeah i think few can top that because you know winning a title with your best friend at wrestlemania after so many years yeah that's just a culmination of a dream so yeah derv what's your take on that um yeah i really like the iconics ever since in nxt when they were like this pair of annoying mean girls australian mean girls that kept on bugging everyone and then there were doubts if they can work properly although they actually really wrestle. Um, but yeah, I really like the pairing, and I was sad to see them go. And people were thinking about, if you think about this, when they broke up, people were saying, ah, it's going to be Peyton Royce who's, who's going to shine. But actually, it's Billy Kay who's having a bigger success <laughs> than Peyton Royce, right? I think with uh, Peyton Royce, she has the looks, but Billy Kay is the personality, hands down, of that pair. Both can wrestle, but like, I think Peyton looks, uh, well, on my stat, based on my standard, Peyton looks better, but Billy Kay's personality is so much better. It's uh, like, I think, imagine the Royal Rumble this year, they had that moment with Billy Kay, he's like, she was the star of the first one thirds or one fourth of the Rumble with her shenanigans, and then when she and Peyton were together, it's like if you can remember her face, like she celebrated with Peyton and realized Ruby Riot was there on her side because she, she was trying to be one with the punks, right? Like, then she stopped. It's like, yeah, this is one of the best pairings. I think then also a good point, Jude, is that they won the titles at WrestleMania. And I think that is up there with the Guerrero and Benoit celebration from WrestleMania 20. Um, although it's not a world titles, but still, it's still something that you've been with someone through the journey, and like what you said, with the in uh, the journey from trainees, from independent wrestlers, and now winning a title at WrestleMania itself. That is special because I think this mm-hmm. iconics if they come back, and I think if they come back, I think they're gonna be primed for a baby baby face push as a tag team if ever. Yeah, man, I think the pop would be so loud for that. Um, Whether or not we're in our homes or in an arena, that's going to be so huge. Oh, um, comments. Uh, Another uh, pairing that was mentioned in the comments is the APA, the Acolyte Protection Agency, which is um, Bradshaw and Farouk. And pretty successful pairing. Like, I think individually, they're... I mean, they were good as a tag team, but individually, they had their own moments. Like, Ron Simmons was the first African-American world champion. When, yeah. And yeah. JBL was the WWE champion for almost a year because Triple H didn't want to work in those days. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but in fairness, I quite liked um, JBL's championship yeah, run. Same. I mean, it's out of the blue. Like, it's like all of a sudden they began pushing a completely rebranded JBL, rebranded yeah. to the point that you forget that he was once part of the APA kind <laughs> yeah. of rebrand. So, yeah. But, oh, yeah, great pairing. Great yeah, choice. Yeah, the APA is pretty, um, yeah, at this point, pretty underrated. Like, um, yeah. 
with you know uh with so many tag teams in the um in the <clears throat> in the in the attitude era nonetheless like that was a that was another good pairing um i'm not sure if i put it here but i think we could mention the dudley boys yeah dudley boys as well special yeah. special because imagine so, yeah, the Dudleys. okay now i'd include this just because i like um tag teams and you know bringing the table is one of the best moments in their yeah definitely um in their tag team runs and it's the most one of the most players tag teams in pro wrestling history easy multi-time ecw champions multi-time wwe and world tag team champions um they were a wcw tag team champion um they were winners during the invasion so that counts right uh they were nwa yeah. tag team champions they were also um iwgp tag team champions yeah. and um impact impact wrestling tag team champions yeah. i'm not sure if they were able to make roh i can't remember if they did but uh i, I, rem- I don't thing. remember Winning, I don't remember them winning in ROH, and I remember the Hardys though with their expedition of gold. But yeah, yeah, quite the pairing. Um, Bully Ray, as he's now called, and Devon, or you know, Decon, his uh, his <laughs> brother Devon, stick with Decon Batista. Yeah, no matter. But yeah, um, great pairing. Um, honestly, uh. I love the 3D as a tag team finisher. For me, I think that's up there with like the best tag team finishers. Like, yeah, definitely. It's definitely. believably, paid, especially you know, like the fact that it's a it's a flapjack plus cutter, and your your midsection is gonna be flat. It's gonna flat. It's really, you know. Yeah. I mean, there are so many great tag team moves right now, but the 3D is still one of the most devastating. Feels like a legit tag team finisher. So yeah, there. What's your thoughts on that? Um. Yeah, I like that people commented the APA and the Dudleys because I want to also expand that both these teams are best friends in real life as well, and the longevity of the Dudleys is something that you have to be amazed at, especially the longevity of their relationship. I know they have their ups and downs personally. Uh, even the ones that we don't know and we shouldn't know because that's their lives. But um, if you compare them to another successful tag team who I think is the only th- team that is better than them uh, in terms of winning gold or being winners in every promotion they went to, Legion of Doom. I know Legion of Doom before Hawk died. Legion of Doom were already sort of like personally yeah. Based on the, uh, the documentaries and stuff, but you have to agree. Uh, have to say like Devon and Dudley, and even uh, Farouk and Bradshaw, who are real life best friends as well, have um, kept the relationship in a good state. Unlike most of the tag teams, who there's a trope right with tag teams. It's people who don't like each other getting paired with each other. I think that's what WWE always does right now. Recently, like, same with Cesaro, Nakamura yeah. Cesaro. 
Tyson Kid Cesaro. I kidding. Sorry, Cesaro just has so many tag teams and just want to drive on that. Oh, uh, rated RKO is a good uh, example of yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, but OP OP pairings out of yeah, place. OP pairings. <laughs> it's like the only team that can beat uh, 2006 DX was rated RKO. Wait, I think did you freeze or I froze? Sorry. Apologies, because we are having so kinda kinda uh kinda challenging. But yeah, okay. So from one pairing from uh from one tag team pairing, let's go to um let's go to some pairings that we enjoy let's go to japan let's go to a japanese yeah. uh, otp and that's minoru suzuki and young lions <laughs> uh, this is steven's pick and i love this pick because yeah minoru suzuki recently has been has been on a quest actually it's just yui yumura has been on the quest to um fight suzuki for some reason, you know, yeah. like you're a young guy and you're still learning the ropes. You're supposed to start your career, not end it quickly, because you know Suzuki yeah. is a guy that will destroy you in like I don't know, destroy you in a matter of minutes in the ring. No matter what yeah. you do, he'll just sleeper hold you and gotch pile, pile driver you, and he'll just destroy you, and you know, you're gone. Um, but yeah, um, Minoru Suzuki and young guys, this has been something that's been happening for a long time, like yeah. whatever. Yeah. The ring as in and all before going entering the ring itself, he'll just punch a young lion, yeah, sleeper hold the young guy, just beat him up, and you know, the young guy will just crumple down the floor. But you know, like what I said with you, uh, Yumura, there's cases that young lions fight back, which is kind of yeah. kind of cool, you know, somewhat suicidal for your wrestling, uh. For your wrestling life, but yeah, um, pretty crazy, nah. I but I think it's uh, I think this kind of OTP. This is uh, Minoru Suzuki is eating up young guys. It's not just for you know, it's not for, it's not for just you know, he beats them up for the sake of uh, getting off steam. But I, you know, it's also beating up because I think he really respects the young guy on that he's beating up. For me, I think yeah. that's what. How would you define or explain this pairing? Um, it's cool because I think um there's gonna be a payoff here because we know Minoru Suzuki is at the tail end of his career and but still doing well. And it's weird that Minoru Suzuki, aside from the gray trim and red stripe on his trunks, dresses up like a young lion. If you think about it, <laughs> right? <laughs> his his attire is. Aside from the trim, looks like the ones from Young Lions of yesteryears. But yeah, um, well, Suzuki is the chaotic, chaotic, chaotic evil of New Japan. So, no, no, it's like the chaotic neutral, what you call it, but it's like chaos incarnate and not the chaos, what you call this faction that is, that should be done with. But yeah, um, Suzuki is like with the <laughs> Suzuki and Suzuki going with the Young Lions is always gold. I can remember even Lance Archer during his time he spits on 
the young lions as well. The water bottle then spits in the young lions or in the fans. So yeah, it's a welcome addition. It's actually really refreshing to see like the young lions getting involved more and more with some wrestlers, even though it's not in a match. Yeah, so it's like one of even those... though you know the outcome. Yeah, at least they're fighting. Definitely, it's like you know, you know those what you call this. It's kind of like in a video game where you're like an OP character, and there's mobs, and the young lions are mobs, and you're Suzuki, and you just whip them, but they keep coming back, like in Dark Souls, when you just respawn in a bonfire, and they're gonna respawn again. <laughs> so yeah, it was, it's a fun interaction between the young lions and a legend, and one that is a true OTP, in my opinion as well. <laughs> yeah, like crazy because it always happens and just crazy. Like, okay, but yeah, that's it for Minoru Suzuki and Young Lions. Our next pairing is I just put this because there's it's Randy Orton with um, RKO's, and for you, Derv, it's Randy Orton and Controversies. Yeah, so yeah, I, I mean, I think we can start. Let's start off with a milder one with the RKO's. Yeah. Like, okay. The best for me, the RKO team. is one of the most iconic wrestling finishers of all time. Yeah. It's a, it's one of the most versatile wrestling finishers of all time. Yeah. Like, it's a move that can be done in a lot of different angles, and that's pretty hard because, you know, unlike suplexes, certain suplexes, certain DDTs, or yeah. even certain yeah. kinds of strikes, you can't have the same. Um, amount of variation or adaptability quite like the rko because you know remember the rko is is a finisher that can be done like out of nowhere like you know uh if randy orton tries to attempt a come definitely try the rko he can do it as a counter he can do it as a recovery move he can do it off a flying opponent like um evan born um he can do it uh can do it off the turnbuckle, he can do it. Um, off the apron, off a table, you know. Yeah. It's like, can it's a it's a move that can be done anywhere, and you know, um, it's one of those uh move, one of those finisher and wrestler um pairing that just feels so ideal because I remember um Randy Orton's finisher wasn't the RKO back then, right? It was the overdrive, yeah. which. Is- uh, weird, like yeah. yikes! If that were imagine overdrive out of nowhere, it wouldn't resonate as well. Yeah, MVP's finisher as well. I forgot what he called it. Um, uh, playmaker, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's called the playmaker. So yeah, he it's pretty cool hurt. though. But yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, there. What do you think about the RKO and Randy uh, Orton? Uh, what can I say? It's actually my favorite finisher of all time. Even my create a character in wrestling games like since the 2000s as the RKO or the cutter as his finisher. And also, fun fact, because it's hard if you think about it, because Randy Orton is taller usually than most of the wrestlers he wrestles with. Um, he's I think he's 6'4", six, 6'5", six, a good in that bracket. Yeah, pretty so tall. it's hard as well. Like he has to like go the uh that's why it was good that he has that stalking variation for smaller guys. He has the counter variation for bigger guys. So, yeah, it's the perfect finisher for me if you want to create a suspenseful match. Like, 
with Big Randy Orton, you know the, he's going to hit the RKO. And it's not just a story-driven uh, plot point. Because it's actually true because you don't know when it when it's going to come and when it's going to hit. So that's the good thing about how Randy Orton put over his finisher. And now I think it's the most popular finisher in wrestling, without a doubt. I guess so. Um, yeah, and also I forgot to mention, I think running RKO from behind is one of the... Uh, more impressive ones. Yeah. I think next to the super kick, it's really it's the most versatile one of the most versatile wrestling yeah, moves. But the difference is that only one guy is actually using it. <clears throat> yeah. I wonder if the super kick was popular and now really used by so many wrestlers, uh, would you do you think the RKO would have that once Orton retires in the near future? Like you know, like would it would some people spam it the way that the way that it some moves are right now? I think so. Well, we're we're seeing some guys with cutter variations actually. With Carl Anderson, Tamatonga, they have the gun stun. Osprey previously had the fin. Uh, now it's his signature move, but before his finisher was the os cutter. And I think uh, Leo Rush has a cutter as well. I forget if it's Leo Rush, but yeah, I think. In 10 years, they're going to not call it the cutter anymore. Um, they're probably going to call it the RKO in some way or form mm-hmm. as a way of tri- uh, tribute to Randy. But yeah, I agree with your point. I think everyone will do it. Will Ra- RKO will be the super kick of the next decade from out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> I think the only reason that it isn't is because Randy Orton is still wrestling. So. Yeah. That's the and only the thing that's stopping indie wrestlers from spamming that move to Oblivion. What? Yeah. It's his initials as well, Randall Keith Orton. Yeah. Which is going to be a difficult thing because, you know, I know WWE would try their ever best to copyright that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Yeah. But yeah, there's so, so many cutter variations, but for me, that's one of the best. Um... Now, for the other Randy Orton pairing, it's Randy Orton and Controversy. So, Derb, which controversies are we going to tackle? Because I know one of the things about Randy Orton is that he's pretty much a locker room menace back in the day. Yeah, back in the day. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <clears throat> yeah, because also with Orton, he's like, he's one of the most known violators of the wellness policy, even though he had three strikes or more. He's not fired because he's like one of the company guys. And he's one of like the handpicked ones. And also, because I remember Randy Orton, I was a kid back then, and I saw this picture of Randy Orton smoking cigarettes. And I don't know if you watch this. There's a video of him asking a fan if he has a cigarette during in outside the arena when when he was signing autographs. He was asking if you have a cigarette to a fan. So that's why oh I think he also got um. Uh, he also violated the tobacco and marijuana policy before the wellness policy began. So, yeah, he's like a ma- <laughs> And also with his views, because we know what his views are, and some people don't agree with it. Some do, some don't. And, yeah, he's like, he's a spark plug, spark plug for controversy, especially during his prime and during his younger years. But now he has mellowed down, actually, and... I actually love Randy Orton who doesn't give a fuck because he's so funny even though he doesn't mean it. But right now for me, Randy Orton is just like 
oh yeah, okay, I, I guess I have to wrestle again. This is my job. <laughs> like this, yeah. this position feels so indifferent right now. Like, oh yeah, okay, I'm just gonna wrestle. Like, yeah, the the Randy Orton right now who doesn't really care is kind of yeah. an interesting one. And yeah, you know, he's still going strong. I think you know he's one of the guys that. WWE still relies on for um, solid matches. Like every now and then, they'll bring out a Randy Orton just to help someone, you know, yeah, help someone is. establish themselves. So yeah, he's been the he's been in that role. Because I think he and AJ are the ones who get relied on as of as veterans, and also with Orton, I think it's his maturity right now. You can see he actually is really mature right now. And I think now he has become more mature. He's become more fun and more funny to others. Because remember, I think if you watch Up, Up, Down, Down, there's a video like Randy Orton didn't play games. He found every uh, video games, like a certain legend, he found that video games are not his cup of tea. But then I don't know if Xavier Woods was the one who told it. Like Randy Orton, after a week or two, was asking about Monster Hunter. <laughs> but yeah yeah orton right now i think yeah really mellowed down like if you remember yeah. like all of the stories especially i think it was with the miz where he yeah. just uh took a dump on his gym bag which is kind of kind of crazy and then you know i think the miz pinning orton to win his wwe championship was kind of validation of sorts yeah. revenge of sorts so yeah that's like that. That's the best um, return you could get for, I guess that's paying your dues in an yeah. extreme fashion. That's kind of crazy, though. Um, now we go to our next few pairings. Um, okay, let's get this over. The Golden Lovers. So the Golden Lovers are Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi. <laughs> so Kenny Omega right now is the AEW World Champion and the, a former IWGP Heavyweight Champion. And we have... Kota Ibushi, the current double champion for New Japan Pro Wrestling, which is, you know, he's now the IWGP heavyweight champion and the IWGP intercontinental champion. Yeah. yeah. Back in the day, before they before they ascended to the main event, before they had bonkers five-star matches and risking their bodies, like, you know, Kota Ibushi throwing fireworks and almost wrecking his <laughs> neck multiple times. And, you know... Kenny Omega risking risking everything he has against Okada. You know, they were once a solid tag team. There was yeah. a strong junior tag team. And I remember, I think their partnership started in DDT yeah. for wrestling. You know, being a comedy wrestling and eventually they became solid junior competitors. Um, yeah, uh, awesome, um, awesome pairing because for me... Um, there are a few pairings that grow to be successful as them, like yeah. individually. And, you know, as a tag team, they have their few, they have their moments, but not as much as others. But, you know, whenever they do, whenever they team up, it's pretty much OP. It's too much. Yeah. <laughs> it's too powerful. It's a pairing that's too powerful to, to combine and show up regularly. And that's them. And yeah. Uh, it also reminds me that I have to watch the Golden Lovers versus Apollo 55 because I wasn't able to watch that the other day. Want to watch yes. that? So yeah. So Derv, what are your thoughts on the Golden Lovers? 
Um, yeah, so like, this is the ultimate journey. Um, aside from my opinions on AEW, well, I discovered Kenny when he was in New Japan. So, but yeah, the rise to the top, IA Bill, sorry. <laughs> the rise to the top as starting as juniors. Well, Omega was actually with WWE, if I can remember correctly, but he had to go, uh, he had to. Uh, it was uh, DSW, Deep South. Yeah. And one asshole of a uh, trainer um, treated him badly there. And good thing. Well, good thing because he can finally, uh, he finally showcased his stuff starting as a junior in DDT with all those comedy matches. This is one, speaking of comedy matches, before I continue, it's one of the good um, attributes of the Golden Lovers. Lovers, they can give out a seven star match with any wrestler or six star match with any wrestler, especially with someone called Kazuchika Okada. But they can also do comedy matches, especially Bushi. Uh, Omega had his uh, comedy matches as well. So imagine the growth, the rise of the Golden Lovers from well, DDT is uh, known for their comedy, but imagine their growth from DDT the juniors of the IWGP of New Japan and to now being the champion of two of the three biggest promotions in the world. Um, wow, just wow. And also with Ibushi right now, what a late bloomer, man. Because hmm. I think he's, <laughs> he's just not signing contracts, but when he finally did, did I think uh, I'm going to share something, guys. I think Jude said off-cam earlier when we were preparing... Ibushi is the type of character that when he signed his long-term contract, he got a patch note where everything got puffed to a level that is so high. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it's like it's really fun to see how the, these guys have grown and how big their names are, their brands are personally and together. And I have to comment that the Golden Lo Lovers is really a good pairing. Unlike Tanahashi and Okada who suck as a tag team. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Those who suck as a tag team. I think they haven't won yet, right? Imagine, like, Ibushi was a better tag team to Tanahashi than Okada ever was. Yeah. So, I think it's just two highly skilled individuals that can't really get together. Like, you know, they're those pairings that really don't work in wrestling, and that's one of the many. Unfortunately. Yeah, and also, they complement each other as well. Because if you think about it, Ibushi is, well, we know this part is not his strong suit. And Kenny is the articulated, uh, the intelligent one. While Ibushi is the one with the fashion sense. And Kenny just dresses And the up. one who shoots fireworks. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, but the other one likes to shoot as well. It's oh, yeah, just, in that way. So, yeah, it's a perfect pairing, uh, perfect uh, rise to the top. Because it's, we thought that Ibushi is going to be like the Janetti of this one. Happily, a uh, good thing that it didn't happen. And because there's a time like Omega was here, Ibushi was here. But good thing when he signed his contract, New Japan gave him priority. And pushed him to the moon, and now he is known as God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that's the Golden Lovers as a pair. And 
be both being world champions, yeah, they've had their success as a tag team before, so that's actually pretty impressive. And I just recently watched uh, a Golden Lovers versus um, Hiromu and Tatsuya Naito match. Yeah, it was pretty impressive and that was fun. Um, yeah, okay, and that was the Golden Lovers. Now, before we proceed to our next pairing, sorry about that, something fell. Um, we have to talk about one of our sponsors for this uh, for our podcast, and that is Mr. Speedy. So, Mr. Speedy is a delivery app that allows you to have your gifts, have your products, have food delivered in the quickest possible time. And you know, I've used uh, Mr. Speedy personally, and it's been really effective. You know, uh, uh, I know me and Steven got a few packages. Uh, delivered real quick to each other that was really fun so yeah um if you wanna you if you're looking to have something delivered to someone's doorstep in the shortest possible time you can use mr speedy and if you're a first time user of mr speedy you can get 50 pesos off your first delivery by using our code geeky mr speedy so once again that's geeky mr speedy you can see it on the screen for uh for the people who will listen to the audio version of this podcast that's g-e-e-k-y-m-r-s-p-e-e-d-y geeky mr speedy so yeah yeah and back to our episode back to our main topic and our next topic is brock lesnar and sweat glands oh my god in uh be you know with us being in a tropical environment you know our sweat guns are always freaking active because it's hot as heck here it's yeah. crazy i mean it's it's getting dark here but you know temperature is really freaking tropical and i guess that's what brock lesnar feels almost every time he's in the ring or maybe even out of it so yeah this is your pick derb and yeah for some reason, like un- sweats in an uh, unnatural level. So yeah, yeah, because <laughs> yeah. if you notice, um, aside from sweating, Brock always turns purple or red during his matches, and it's actually boosted by the fact that he sweats ten times more than the normal man. That's I think that's why he doesn't have problems cutting weight during his UFC days. Because I can, if I can remember, he almost cuts just twenty pounds of water weight, and you know how fast he can flush it all out. But yeah, with Brock, it's like really iconic with him. Because I tell you not, I think that's why he lives in the snowy parts of North America is just to avoid sweating all the time. Because I remember he was. Wearing a white shirt and he was already sweating at his pits. So it's kind of like, I don't know, with like typical Filipinos, like when we saw a sweat, sweaty pit, we're like. And also with Brock, yeah, with this is my number one pick because I find it funny that maybe the final boss of pro wrestling may have a weakness. And, and if you finally want to slay him, just don't give him fluid fluids after he sweats so much. <laughs> but we don't want that. Brock's my favorite wrestler. And I wish him a healthy life and a healthy hunting life. 
Yeah, so what are your thoughts But yeah, that's Brock Lesnar. And yeah, I think looking back, he does... I think he, I think as he grew in his career, as he lasted longer in his career, he sweats more and more. Yeah. I think it's with the meat. Yeah, I think I remember Ergy Gessler doesn't sweat as much. Yeah, he's he more body oil, muscle, you know, like, you know, he's just there. But, um, Mr. Olympia things, yeah. you know, bodybuilding. But now, you know, he's just sweating. I, he sweats more than someone... He sweats more than uh, than some uh, than some gamer at 2 a.m. Yeah. on a rap match, so yeah. that's crazy. <laughs> one good that's... example actually is the Royal Rumble 2020 when he started number one and just watch as his sweat levels go up until he got eliminated. <laughs> oh, man, what number was he eliminated on? By the uh, time Drew McIntyre entered number sixteen, so yeah, after number sixteen. Oh man, the- they didn't even let him last half more than half the match. I think they, I think WWE knows this problem. That's why I think the match, if you see his match length as well, yeah, <laughs> it's it's really. But yeah, um, Brock Lesnar is still one of the most dominant forces in WWE in wrestling in general, and you know. One of the one of the guys that proved that you know he can transition to MMA just as well. So yeah, that's Brock Lesnar and his sweat glands as our OTP. Yeah, yeah now, this is one last point. Sorry, and yeah. I have to mention how Brock still can control someone who's over two hundred pounds and carry them even with the sweat that he's tra- is shedding out of his body because that's no joke. <laughs> Pretty amazing, actually. I mean, the guy is freaking strong and and the guy is strong. Built, he's built like an excavator or something. So yeah, crazy. Um, next pairing is uh, this is Steven's number one pairing, and makes sense. This is um, Kazuchika Okada and the IWGP Heavy Q, <laughs> as they say. Yeah. And I can say this is one of the most dominant pairings of the yeah. past of the last decade. Um, ever since uh. I think Okada won his first in 2010, his yeah. first IWGP title in 2010, and until 2020, until the until Wrestle Kingdom in 2020 in January 5, he yeah. has held that belt for so long. Like there was a time he held the belt for two years, almost two years. Yeah, you know, it felt like he was never gonna lose it. Yeah, like, you know, we were thought I thought we were gonna get CMLL levels of title right range. <laughs> which CML- is another which is another realization we discovered uh in one of our previous episodes. Well I think we were preparing, so yeah, that was yeah. one scary uh thing. But yeah, um going back, uh Okada as well. Long range yeah, should be okay. We could mention that, but yeah, side note, yeah. See if you if you guys research um CMLL, which is a Mexican wrestling promotion, one of the oldest wrestling I think it's the oldest the pro oldest, wrestling yeah, promotion. Oldest. Older than NWA. Um they have um let's just say they have more than a dozen title belts. Uh I think everyone gets a title belt there for somehow, some way. Uh, I think that's why New Japan um Puts a lot of young guys in excursion because they have a chance to win at least one of the <laughs> twenty belts there. 
and so and go back as a star. You know, Hiromu was Hiromu Takahashi was there. Uh, Grandmaster uh, Master Wato was there. Um, Tetsuya Naito was there. So yeah, there's a huge chance you're gonna win a belt in CMLL, but sometimes you don't do because some of their belts have been held by wrestlers for more than five years. I think the minimum uh, for some reason, right? Like we checked it. Like me and Derb, I think Abil then. Uh, for shout out to Abil. Um, yeah, we took Abel. a look at CMLL title reigns and. They just go on and on. Um, minimum was like a year. The shortest yeah, was like two one months as well, or one defense in like two years. Like, they forget that they have to defend the belt. Sometimes they forget that the belts even existed in the first place. But yeah, that's the consequence of having too many belts in your wrestling promotion. But going back, um, Kazuchika Okada has been, you know, pretty much whenever we imagine Kazuchika Okada. We always imagine him wearing the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. And yeah. last year, 2020, and in some parts of 2018, you know, looking at him, we it he looks kind of, it feels kind of naked because yeah. it, those were times that he, he has not held the IWGP Heavyweight Championship for, uh, for much of the year, most of the year. And yeah, that's, and that's how you realize, that's how we realize that him and the belt were pretty much an OTP in of the in of itself, and yeah, that's pretty crazy. And yeah. you know, in an era where more more title, most title reigns don't last a year, hardly last a year, um, unless you're in Mexico. But uh, but yeah, for an era that for you know the past twenty years where title belts just somehow feel like hot potato compared to previous decades. Kazuchika Okada yeah. holding belts for that long is pretty much an impressive feat. And like him or hate him, you know, he was he was able to carry the entire company when he's champion. And yeah. he gets to and you know, he also gets to elevate his already impressive cast of challengers. He, Tanahashi is impressive as is. But you know, whenever they have a match together in Wrestle Kingdom, it's really good. Okada versus uh, Omega is like three of the like three. Those are three of the best rated matches in in wrestling history right now. And Okada versus Naito is also definite five stars. And there's yeah, Okada versus story as well. The yeah, that's another OTP, dude. Naito and Okada. Okada. Naito and Okada. See the like Okada's Okada's pairing with the IWGP Heavyweight Championship helped him create some of the best wrestling rivalries of the 2010s as well, yeah. which is like the best thing that New Japan could have because you know New Japan is in a renaissance mode of sorts yeah. for the past decade, and who better to carry that one than the likes of um. Okada, you know, Tanahashi yeah. carried the early one, early stage, and now we have Okada. Now, Okada, right now, you know, he's trying to wrestle without having to be champion right now. And so far, it's been an unusual run because you always see him with a belt. Now, yeah. he's trying to create a run where he can be as dominant as he is without even being champion. And that's impressive because the fact that he can do that, <laughs> the fact that he can just 
be not not be champion for a while is crazy because yeah. that's how far that that's how far has and the NJPW has come when it comes to establishing the stars that they've been um, been growing for the past five years and yeah so Derv, your thoughts on Okada and the belt? Um yeah so I think Okada only won the IWGP Heavyweight Championship during after his excursion to TNA right it's the only yeah. belt he won that's why it was also a big point of the double gold dash that he doesn't want the other belt he just wants he just wants to be the best he just wants the IWGP Heavyweight Championship and yeah it's like Man, um, Okada's gimmick, the Rainmaker, uh, it helped during the first part of his career that he had Gedo, who was the booker, <laughs> as his manager. But also with his character, the Rainmaker screen champion. Right now, it's still awkward that you don't have Okada at the end of Wrestle Kingdom fighting his challenger. And whenever you hear the Rainmaker theme song, it's like, you know, it's the main event. Now it's so awkward that it's not the main event. It's just the second match of the last. Or the third match of the last. But um, Okada's character, I think, is comparable to Misawa and Ric Flair. They're company-carrying champions who are the main attractions because either you want them to fight off the challengers or you want to see them lose. Um, as Naito fans, us... As Oscar, he wanted to see him lose to Naito. Um, but yeah, I think Okada's reign with, especially the one he had that went through Wrestle Kingdom 11 and 12, is arguably the second best Puro Wrestle championship run of all time next to Kobashi's. And yeah, Okada is just a champion. And the good point is that you said that Okada elevated people uh, around him as the champ- champion because you know he's the main event. He's elevated um, Switchblade Jay White even though he beat him. Osprey, uh, Ibushi, Omega, and especially Naito because as an OTP, Naito in Okada is like, you know, it's the money match. That's why they don't, they don't scram it. They don't cram it in like five matches in two years. They only had like how many matches since Wrestle Kingdom 12? One. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. One match after. And yeah, it's pretty difficult to it's they know New Japan knows what spectacle they have in their hands whenever those two come around. But yeah, that's Okada and the and New Japan's heavyweight championship. And yeah, that's and also, really crazy. Sorry to interject. Um, you know, it's just a matter of time. Yeah, you know, with <laughs> the Olympics not getting cancelled and we don't know still the working relationship of New Japan if it extends to Japan with AEW and the others. I think it's I think Ibushi's title run, uh, or whoever beats he, beats him is gonna have to drop the belt to Okada before the Olympics. So yeah. Bill Kazu can run his torch as the IWGP heavyweight champion. Also worth noting that Okada may only have five IWGP championship range, which is second all time. But you know, he's I think he's most in the number of days. Yeah, he has, he has, he has. So, yeah, you know, it's only a matter of time, and he's pretty young. He's so yeah. young for a main eventer. Yeah. You know, he started so early. So, that means you know, he has a few more 
a few more, few is an understatement. Yeah. Few more IWGP heavyweight runs in his time. You know, you know what's scary? I think he has the third most five star matches rated by Dave Meltzer at 21, and he's only 33. And the record is so, yeah. A few more. I guess, you know, we can say that Okada is quite just in the prime of his career. Yeah. Not yet in the prime. I think, you know, there's there comes a time that he might even go beyond whatever he has done so far. So, yeah. Yeah. That's quite, that's think, why. It's, oh, yeah. Go. Sorry, sorry, sorry. The only, uh, I was trying just to say, sorry, Jude, that the only thing I see with Okada, he's, he's the poster boy. But it's evidently that he's not the most popular with the fans. Although he's famous, they pop for him. Like, there's a certain someone, that's why they're interchanging him and that someone as 1A and 1B. <laughs> because, you know, someone else is more popular with the fans. <laughs> I wonder who that is. Um, I think Jude is smiling because he knows who it is. And if you yeah. know us, that's him. Okay. I think I can say that despite that, uh, not not every fan likes Okada. The fact that yeah. he is still the champion of the Japan, New, New Japan pretty much chooses him as their main champion for the most part is quite uh, is testament to how how talented and you know how much people want to see him lose or win whatever. That's crazy. Yeah, but yeah, that's our pairing and for our. I guess we can say this is our main event pairing. Um, yeah. Last one is a pairing of best friends. And recently, they've gained buzz because, you know, they've reunited in the ring. And the other one has won the Royal Rumble and heading to WrestleMania. And that is ENC, <laughs> which is yeah. no, or Edge and Christian. Or I think they were once called Suicide Blondes and ECW. So whatever pairing, whatever stable name you call them, but it's mostly Edge and Christian. Um, this is one of our. I think this is one of my favorite um wrestling pairings of all time, just because they were successful, so successful as a pairing, but they were also successful as individuals. Yeah, you know, they both carried brands. They both carried promotions. And yeah, yeah. For the case of, so they started as you know they were built as brothers. If you were yeah. attitude here, like okay, uh, I guess they're they're just like brothers, the same way that the white stripes are married cop are, are brother and sister. <laughs> so that's yeah. weird. But yeah, um, for that, eventually that brother story guy was just ditched quite silently and now you know we just know that they're really best friends wrestling best friends and in the 2000s they had to split you know um christian had his own run edge had his own singles run um like edge was money in the back winner became world multi-time world champion with wwe you know his legendary rivalry with the undertaker and john cena and christian you know christian Christian took a while. I mean, Edge yeah. was on the top of the mountain, and he retired in 2010 on top of the mountain before coming back. But Christian, Christian, you know, we thought that, you know, we always say that with every in every tag team, there's a Shawn Michaels that will succeed, <laughs> go to the stratosphere, become world champion, become Hall of Famer, 
become a first ballot Hall of Famer. And then there's Marty Janetti, who will have a nice singles run, will have a few <laughs> shining moments, you know, but will never reach the same stardom as their more accomplished partner. Yeah. But for Christian, you know, it was different. Um, Christian left the WWE. He went to TNA. And even though in hindsight you'd hate it because it's another former WWE guy being elevated in TNA, the fact that he beat Jeff Jarrett was like me saying, finally, like finally someone kicked Jeff Jarrett's ass because I didn't like Jeff Jarrett because he was just motion and carrying the championship. It's like you're booking yourself, man. Pretty much. But yeah. Triple H. Yeah. But when um but when Christian became world champion, you saw the potential of what he can do as the guy who leads the brand. It was really good. You know, Christian or Christian Cage in TNA was really a draw, was a great guy. And when he came back to WWE, he was able to become world champion, even though he never won the WWE championship. The fact that he became world heavyweight champion means that he he and Edge are one of the few tag team partners, multi-time tag team partners, that have won individually in the WWE. You know, that have won world champions championships in the WWE. And until now, the fact that their names are still significant and the fact that, you know, they reunited, Edge is going to be in Mania this year yeah. in the weird. But yeah, I think that's why I'll say they're one of the best wrestling pairings of all time because they're so great as a team. Oh, by the way, mention not to mention they have their own podcast. Like they think yeah. they're pairing really great. Like they think they're pairing in stride so much that it's in the ring and off the ring. It's like it's a friendship of a lifetime. So it's it looks like. So yeah. So there. What are your thoughts on Edge and Christian? Um, can I first start off that I had to research that Jack White and Meg White were not brother and sisters. <laughs> I just found out that I don't. Honest to God. Um, and second confession, I wasn't a big fan of Edge and Christian back then in the Attitude Era because I got annoyed by them. But man, I'm looking at it now. They're like, it's a cool act of two annoying guys that can do it all in the ring. And yeah, I have to agree with the careers because I think the Hardys to some extent, but not as big as how the impact left by Edge and Christian as single competitors. Because, you know, with the Hardys, um, they really fa- favor Jeff in WWE. And it's clear because he's one of Triple H's projects. Um, but speaking of more on Edge and Christian, one testament of how good Christian was, we know how good Edge was. Um, Christian, after Edge retired, Christian became champion, right? And then the next SmackDown, Orton became the champion out of nowhere. And how good Christian was, the one more match storyline, and how it got over the one more match uh, tagline. Impressive. Yeah, that's impressive how good Christian is. And yeah, the titles from other um, orgs, and it's actually the best OTP wrestling-wise, in my opinion. Aside from Okada in the belt, and Elizabeth and Macho Man. Shout out to that one. I named that one, but but that's a noteworthy. But what Edge and Christian, real life best friends, grew up with each other. 
the struggles, if you listen to the stories, it's really heartwarming and touching how these two guys always have each other's backs. And yeah, that's what I want to focus on is the relationship outside the ring, which is you can feel it's really genuine. They have each other's back. It's like, they yes, they were built as brothers in the ring, but they're actually treating each other like brothers in real life, even though they didn't ha- they don't have the same blood. So that makes a real OTP. Well, actually, Edge and Christian, if you think about it, we st- the Iconics are kind of like the female Edge and Christian, if you think about it. Oh, yeah. Like, in terms of like uh, how far they have come, I mean, they are wrestling partners from the almost from the get-go, pretty yeah. much. And hopefully the career of the both girls can be there as well because you can feel the genuine uh, trust and love of the Iconics with each other and Edging Christian with each other. So yeah, wrestling's best OTP, in my opinion, even though I didn't list it, list it is Edging Christian. Yeah. So yeah, okay. Yeah, Edging Christian is the best way to end this OTP episode, this Valentine's episode. So a different kind of Valentine's. So yeah. thank for those who are watching and for those who are going to listen to our episode, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, guys. And thank you, Derv, for joining thank us you once again. more. And I bet, <laughs> I bet with uh, Castle New Japan's Castle Attack approaching in the next week, next few weeks, we're gonna I, be think, <laughs> I think we're going to do uh, a few analysis episode, episodes or here and there. But yeah, yeah. thank you so much for joining. And now, um, oh, by the way, before I go to my, our plug, so Derv, uh, do you have anything to promote? Um, follow the Wrestling After Work podcast on Facebook, um, Instagram, and on Spotify. We're there. Um, and also, if you happen to pass by Green Hills, you can go to the Hype Base store where X-Play Collectibles, Hype Base, and my cabin is there, Tupesville. I also have a page at Tupesville. And yeah, um, may you guys have a great Valentine's Day and um, show... Um, show everyone you love, your family, your significant other, that you love them, not just this day, but every day of the year. Awesome. And now, for us, at the Geeky Ones, now, before you go, we want to remind you where you can find us. So, um, you can find us on Spotify, on Anchor, on Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts, so wherever you can find our podcasts. And you can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and that's at the Geeky Ones. You also find us on Twitch, where which we're broadcasting live right now. The audio version of the show is available wherever. So that means you know you get to hear this in Wednesday. So really we release episodes on Wednesday or Thursday, but um, it depends on the schedule. And finally, don't forget to visit thegeekyones.com for Rats and Raves episode recaps and anything we find geeky under the sun. So we have our, a few reviews there, this art listicles, so it depends. So yeah, that's all kinds of geeky fun yeah. our accounts. And with that, um, I'd like to say thank you once more to watching and 
Once again, uh, I'm Judith Kagiki Wans, and this is our guest, Derv. And this has been our episode. And thank you, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye, guys. This episode of The Geeky Ones is presented to you by Ambidexter. Check out ambidexter.media for more information.